Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Moving Thought Podcast, the podcast for movers and thinkers. This is your host, Colin Van Ert, and I am very excited to have you all back for another episode. I'm really excited about today's episode, and I think it's one of the better ones that I have recorded. It's definitely one of the more informative ones, and it really enlightens uh, many things that are a hot topic in the world of health and fitness today, especially around areas of nutrition. My guest is my good friend, Morgan Molidor, who is a nutritionist, and she is very well educated with a background in nutrition and functional medicine. She now practices here in Austin, Texas, working with people one-on-one to help them improve their nutrition, to improve their lives. But something that's very interesting about her work is that she focuses on using the power of nutrition to help those who are trying to improve issues with mental health. So we spend a lot of time going deep into some of her research, her background. We understand some of her story and her evolution that led her to be where she is today working with people in this capacity we talk a lot about the gut microbiome which is something that is kind of thrown around these days but this conversation really helps to enlighten what that is um, how that really affects us and how that plays into our health and wellness practices I found it really, really helpful just to be able to talk to Morgan and ask her some of these more complex questions about the bacteria in our gut, the way we interact with our environment, how this all plays into being happy and healthy. And I think she did an amazing job of making some of that more difficult, sciencey stuff much easier to grasp for all of us. So again, I'm really excited about this episode. I'm excited to have you guys back. As always, I'm very happy to have you guys and your patronage as you listen to these episodes. If you enjoy this episode today, please pass it on to a friend. Please give us a thumbs up, a like in iTunes, give us a positive review. Uh, but I think you're going to really enjoy it. I think it's been really helpful to you. Um, I don't have much more to say than that. I just want to get into the show and I want to welcome Morgan. So without any further ado, here we go with Morgan Molidor. So one way I wanted to start was just talk about how you got into nutrition, um, what your background is. Um, I know that, you know, originally you were studying biology in undergrad and you kind of had a lot of options with that. I think it was like med school mm-hmm. was the direction you wanted to go. Why did it not go that way? And why did it go towards nutrition? Well, I wanted a certain score on the MCAT to get into medical school mm-hmm. and I took it twice, two, two years in a row. And... I just flipped my my math and reading score. So oh, I see. I didn't get what I wanted, and at that point I was like, okay, I'm going to fulfill this lifelong dream to go to Africa. I went to Africa, uh, Tanzania, Tanzania, uh-huh. and I worked there for at an HIV clinic for two and a half months, and that was really eye-opening. I saw one of my patients die, and it was, it was really sad. So at that point I said I wanted to get done with school as soon as possible and I decided that PA school was going to be the route I took yeah. and that's like a two year program and I was waitlisted two years in a row to get into PA school I was number like 49 out of 50 at UT Southwestern yeah. and it sucked because at the interview that I took for that the guy was like okay um, you're in and he gave me the answers to the the main guy gave me the answers to the rest of the interview mm-hmm. And I still didn't get in. So that was kind of a hard time in my life. Yeah. And then I decided at the same time I was really into nutrition. Um, I was boxing and I needed to get healthier and lose some weight for a weight cut for a fight. Mm -hmm. And I was eating Thai food every night and ice cream. And my boyfriend at the time was like, why don't you try cutting out ice cream? And I was like really resistant to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm resistant to that. But I did it, and I felt immediately better. I was taking, like, Pepto-Bismol every single day, and I didn't realize I was lactose intolerant. And then I decided that graduate school would be the right way for me, so I went and got my master's degree in human nutrition and functional medicine. Interesting. Uh, So it was almost like it was because of these setbacks that, like, the the path you chose ended up not working out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really, like, I was in a 
low place. Yeah. I thought I was a loser. <laughs> I went to a um, presentation the other day and I told this exact story and I still felt like a loser saying it. And I was like, wow, that, that's interesting, Morgan. Like, you still feel like this yeah. was like a bad thing, like saying that you didn't get into medical medical school. But looking back, I'm really grateful that I didn't yeah. do that. So it's not that big of a deal. It's just that ego popping up saying like, oh, you weren't smart enough. Right. Yeah. And we get caught up in these narratives too. I think it's really hard. I was having a conversation with this person the other day where it's like, if you have painful memories and I have a handful of them myself, if you go back to that, like, uh, you know, you kind of shudder or like you, you have like a physical response, you kind of feel it. And then I was just trying to explain to him, you know, so much of it is subconscious that like, we think that oh, our conscious brains can't handle the fact that this happened this one time way back when. Um, and because of that, consciously, we're, like, creating this thing. But uh, I think it was Seth Godin who put it really well recently. He was saying that um, everything is subconscious, and, like, mostly our conscious thoughts are just our rationalizing of our subconscious behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it comes to stuff like that, it makes a lot of sense because it's, like, even though you're thinking about uh, all the negative feelings you had associated with that you know you think about it and you're like oh yeah well that was like I'm doing so much better now I'm mm-hmm. in such a better place but the feeling is still there so viscerally the memory is like in your body mm-hmm. and you still feel that way um, but of course like you know you've come so much further than that um, and you've come out of it and so I'm guessing that's probably a big part of your journey now right which is trying to figure out how that piece of your story plays into your work um, you know, how do you work with yourself when it comes to that sort of stuff, like your own setbacks? And then how do you translate that to working with your clients? Yeah, and it's almost like it's, it wasn't necessarily a trauma, but it's like overcoming kind of that trauma. I still remember the day that I got my score, where I was, what I was doing, like yeah. all the letters of projection. I remember where I was. And so it's almost like healing that aspect of it mm-hmm. um, and helping others, like you said helping others heal whatever kind of manifested into their subconscious as a negative event. Yeah. Um, But, like I said, looking back at it, everything had to be the way it was for me to be where I am now. And I'm pretty, I'm much freer than I would have been if I went to medical school. I'd still be in medical school right now. Yeah, you live this totally different lifestyle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Completely different. Um, so it sounds like you had like this light bulb moment with nutrition where you just felt it and you felt the effects of it. And then that was kind of the catalyst for you just diving deep into it. Um, the guy I was dating at the time was really psycho about nutrition. Mm -hmm. He was telling me all about bone broth. This was like five years ago. And I, yeah, I I started listening to him. I mean, I guess psycho is the bad, wrong word, but I started listening to him and started making a green smoothie for myself every day. I actually started with um, MyFitFoods mm-hmm. um, prepackaged meals, and that's what I did. I never made food. And then eventually I was like, I can make this instead of paying 100 bucks a week for these foods. I started making my own food. And then when I lived with a different roommate, she made all her own meals too. And I just saw this huge change in my body. Um, uh, I was doing better at boxing. I was, just everything improved. I was losing weight. I, my brain was functioning. I didn't have any more anxiety. I was able to focus. And so I just saw a huge um, opportunity with food. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I can learn the science behind it and I love science so yeah yeah and uh, that's something that's interesting about you which I really want to dig into a little bit later um, which is the whole fact that you kind of have a very uh, not clinical background but you have a research background and there are a lot of nutrition coaches out there today like I'm a nutrition coach right um, I do a lot more sports nutrition stuff and I'm certified as a nutrition coach but you know I kind of bow down to your knowledge and like I consult with you all the time uh so, and get your advice because I know that you go so much more deeper into the research and a little bit more into the health aspect of things. Um, but before we get there, uh, I want to start with the basic of basic, which is like, why is nutrition even important? Why does <laughs> it matter? Well, um, 
the biggest exposure we have to the outside world is our skin, and the second biggest exposure that we have to the outside world is our gut. Mm. Everything that our skin has to fight off toxins every single day, it has to fight off parasites, um, insects, any kind of abrasions, but everything we put in our mouth um, has to be fought off by our gut bugs mm-hmm. um, and our intestinal lining. And it filters all that stuff out. And then what's so cool is that the our uh, body figures out how to break down those nutrients and then basically work our whole our whole body, our, yeah. our cells, our fuels. Um, and that's all just from food. So imagine if you were giving yourself Taco Bell every single day and um, fast food, deplete of any color, then you're not able to fuel your biochemistry. Um, so that's just one thing of why food is so cool. Um, it seems like such like the simplest thing. And when somebody tells me like, well, what can I do to like feel better? And I'm like, well, are you sleeping and are you getting good food? It's, it's like that quick, quick fix culture that just wants something different, like a supplement. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's some, you get this opportunity three times a day or two times a day, depending on how many times you're eating to really nourish yourself and really, um, choose to heal or harm yourself. And that's just an opportunity, I think, for everybody to really do good to their body. Yeah. It's cool. We have like this amazing machine that just like takes this kind of garbage uh, or like you know this this uh, or organized piece of material of uh, food and basically completely deconstructs it. Yep. Takes out what it needs, and then gets rid of the other stuff. Yep. And it's starting in our mouth. We have like salivary amylase breaking yeah. it down, and then we have to have the right you know hydrochloric acid in our stomach with perfect acidic ph yeah and then it goes on to the colon and then it breaks down and feeds all our gut bugs and it's so connected to our brain it's providing um 80 to 90 percent of our neuro serotonin so mm-hmm. our brain chemicals and tons of other stuff it's connected to our immune system 80 percent of our immune cells are in our gut so uh, it's just such a pivotal part of our health and uh, it's very like the forgotten forgotten piece yeah uh or the neglected piece. neglected piece yeah yeah <laughs> people's just like it's, uh, food no don't don't worry about that <laughs> right and i mean i don't think that i think that's just because of our culture and we've been uh our culture has created this uh, type of food that is not only calorie dense but it's extremely fatty and it satisfies um, a need in us and which activates brain chemicals so if you ever want to read more about this and they he knows so much about it, it's called the hungry brain Stephen uh, Guiana and he's a PhD in nutrition and he writes about how our food systems have really um, impacted us and impacted how we choose foods yeah Absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, you keep touching on this thing, which is really interesting. One of the things that you do, which is so cool, is you connect uh, food to mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did that show up in your work, in your education, and why is that such a big focus of what you do? So I am not leading the path, leading all the failures leading to where I am now. I worked at a psychiatric facility. I actually worked at Seenshaw Creek Psychiatric Facility in the ICU and all the other units for a year and a half. And then I also worked at Austin State School for um, mentally challenged adults. I took them to chapel, which they wanted to go to every Sunday. So I was able to interact with them there. Um, on At the f- psychiatric facility, I was able to s- be with them for eight-hour shifts. Uh, and I saw that most of the attacks on the ICU were happening around lunch or dinner time. People, I don't know, would hit me. They they would do lot lots of things. They're sick. Um, but the food was terrible, and I constantly saw that. And at the same time, I was learning about nutrition. So I said there had to be some correlation here. All they would eat is 
the they got to choose their food, so they would choose the desserts, of course. Mm-hmm. And the rest looked like it looked like disgusting hospital food. And so, at the time, I didn't really think much of that job. I was just like, I really am passionate about these people and this uh, population. And then I moved on. And in my master's degree, I really focused my thesis on the effects of an endotoxin in your gut. So uh, it's called LPS, and it is used in many clinical studies to trigger an immune response, and it triggers brain inflammation in your brain. Triggers brain inflammation. Anyway, um, that's all related to how you eat. If you have something called leaky gut, you're getting this endotoxin to set this alarm off for your immune system, which releases cytokines or inflammatory molecules, which then triggers inflammation in the brain. And I thought this was exactly what I had been learning this whole time. People are feeling sick and depressed and anxious because of the food they're eating. And I felt that personally as well, because in college I was given anti-anxiety medication and I was just going through a rough time. I didn't, I didn't need it. Um, and then I tried to go off of it and my doctor just wanted to have given me new psychiatric meds. And so one day I just went off of it all by myself, which is something you shouldn't do. And I felt really sick, really sick. I almost passed out in the middle of the street. And anyway, all those things led me to where I am now. And that's where I reached out to a whole bunch of psychiatrists and psychologists and and providing nutrition assistance to their clientele Mm. uh, to provide relief of anxiety and depression through food. So now you are sort of specializing your work to people that have issues with anxiety, um, other type of mental issues, and you're trying to help them heal themselves through food and food education. Yeah, um, that's part of my work. I also work at a clinic for for regular nutrition, but yeah, that's my main focus is mental health. I have worked with bi- bipolar, schizophrenia, um, anxiety and depression, and I've seen like major, well, a lot of those conditions are associated with d- disruptions in the gut. Mm-hmm. So healing the gut is such a, a fad term right now, but it's true. It's real. It's like I said, it's the GI tract that filters out all those toxins so we need to have like a strong uh gastrointestinal system right and yeah it's yeah no 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 no. that's great and i uh i think that's so good because it's such like a hot topic around like the microbiome right uh your microbiota your your um your gi tract and half the people that are saying that to me like do you know what that means Mm -hmm. sometimes i don't know what that means and uh i'm supposed to know what that means (laughs) Uh, but like, how do you explain, you know, the gut microbiome, um, what's going on in the gut? How do you explain that to the, to the layman and how do you make people that you're working with understand what you're saying to them? Well, the microbiome is actually, the microbiome means all the genes from each of our bacterial cells and, and there's, first off, in the microbiome or in the microbiota, which is all the bacterial and viruses and bacteriophages, which are viruses infected by bacteria mm. and fungi and archaea, they all work together in this ecosystem. And it really irritates me when people, first off, everybody that's in that research knows that it's very, it's in its infancy. No, there's so much research coming out right now. <laughs> Nothing's definitive. Um, there are some probiotics that might be beneficial, like strains, but they still aren't sure how it interacts with everything else. Mm. The testing, like Ubiome, testing your microbiota strains, uh, isn't at completely accurate. Um, so it can vary. I just read a research article. It can vary between if you test at one part of your stool, like if you poop and you test one end and then test the other, the strains in that will differ. So... Can you say about how much? Um, no, but I can send it to you. I yeah, forgot. But it's like significant? Yeah, it's significant. Um, it had two different amounts of Prevotola, I think is how you say it. And those are two strains that 
can predispose you to obesity and it was like they still have such intrastool variability oh, yeah. that you shouldn't um, try to interpret your gut. So it's like it's like one end of this of your poop. Yeah, is like obese. That's the what other she one's did. Totally yeah. <laughs> uh, she, and yeah, so she showed that it was pre- it was a pretty funny article. But anyway, there's so many things interacting. The one thing they do know is that a more diverse gut is better. So mm. you want a diverse coral reef or a diverse rainforest. You don't want a plantation. Yeah. So the way to get a diverse coral reef is by feeding it tons of different fibers and each little bug feeds off different types of fibers. Hmm. Um, so, and your fiber is found in legumes, grains, you can get it in inulin, chicory root, different types of fibers that feed them. And then what else do we know about the gut? Um, I can, the gut, our gut bugs do different things. They immune, modulate the immune system. They produce B and K B and K vitamins. They interact with, they produce neurotransmitters. I had mentioned that earlier. And they also can control weight. They interact with our immune, or our, our cell lining. So yeah. that's really important as well. They do tons of things, and so it's just take it with a grain of salt when someone talks about the microbiome with a definitive, we know everything about it, because it's this, it's just like the brain. There's so much more to learn, and, yeah. and how each one interacts with different things. Um, I was reading this article the other day from a researcher who studies the microbiome, and he said... He described the microbiome like this. There's not one good bacterial strain and one bad bacteria. So when somebody makes it that simple, it's not it's not accurate. What happens is that each strain is trying to um, help itself. It's just trying to survive. So like just we are. We're trying to just survive and do the best we can for our own um, reproduction. And they described it like this. They said, imagine a classroom of good and bad students... And some of the, there's some bad students and they're distract, distractive and um, the good students are really focused. And then the teacher is the immune system. And when the teacher, she can keep everybody in check. When the teacher walks out of the room, the bad students start chit-chatting with the good students and eventually all the good students turn into bad students. And that's kind of what can happen. They are opportunistic. They develop groups so that they can do the best for themselves. They each strain is trying to just reproduce um, and it has its own agenda. And the immune system is a huge core component of that. It needs to keep everybody in check. Hmm. And when your immune system is down, that's when things go awry. Sure. That's a useful analogy. Mm -hmm. Um, So is it kind of cyclical in the sense that the immune system's down and then uh, you get this imbalance in bacteria in your gut, so then it further impairs the immune system, um, or how do you remedy that situation? I'm not really sure. I, I need to study that more. I think that, first off, your gut bugs can change pretty quickly. So. If you are eating poorly or eating, for example, eating a high-fat diet one day and then you all of a sudden start eating a high-carb diet then the next day, you can completely, they've shown that you can shift your microbiome pretty significantly mm. just over a few days. So I know it's possible to change your gut bugs, um, as in maybe change the balance of them. I think supporting your immune system in whatever, in that example that you gave or what to do, I think supporting your immune system by decreasing your stress, by eating all the nutrients that you can through fruits and vegetables, by getting proper sleep. Sleep is is super important for the immune mm-hmm. system. Um, getting vitamin D and sunlight, being in nature. I don't think being in the city is conducive to a... 
healthy body, really. Mm-hmm. So all those things are, it's just not one, one thing. It's, it's everything. Yeah. And I think it's super interesting to talk about the different like bacteria and, uh, these like small microorganisms that exist on our body. I was having an interesting conversation with my client the other day. Uh, he bakes bread mm-hmm. and, uh, he's really into it. It's kind of, he's like into baking artisanal bread. And, uh, he was talking to me about how interesting, uh, and diverse it can be. They talk about, you know, the baker's touch and wherever this guy, like his bread is just like so unique. And, uh, they actually tried to do some research on this diet, this, this idea of the baker's touch. So they set up a, a controlled experiment where they had like 10 different bakers from different areas uh, or different bakeries at least come into one kitchen and they were all making the exact same bread with you know the exact same uh, flour or germ or whatever I'm not really sure the ingredients that you need for making bread <laughs> but they all had the exact same ingredients and they were making the exact same bread and uh, with the exact same equipment in the exact same environment but when the breads came out, they were all different, slightly different. They mm-hmm. tasted a little different. And uh, they attributed it to, like, the different yeasts and different, uh, like, microorganisms that just exist on those people's hands. That's uh, cool. Yeah. And it was super – so he was, like – it was cool because he was talking about how, um, you know, basically it's, like, you know, it's really a product of that person specifically for that for, – for bread. And, um, you know, it kind of, like, carries, carries its own, like – genetic code in a certain sense or like it's it has its own like dna in a certain sense um but i just found that to be so interesting in talking about the effect of these microorganisms and how much they can really affect the body and like mm-hmm. how much they can just change everything um and i thought that was so cool and it really speaks to your point of like how much these little things happen but we can't really know that and we can't really understand that on a surface level so when you're trying to tell people like you know what's the actionable piece that you get when you're trying to um have a healthy uh, a healthy gut what what's to be done about that is it just a divide a a very diverse diet Mm -hmm. just as much difference plant foods fibrous materials yeah um i say as much variety and color as possible Mm -hmm. and trying to get which is a a big number but 9 to 13 servings of vegetables a day um fruits and vegetables a day and leaning towards the vegetables yeah and that's challenging for people because if you talk i mean if you just think about one handful being a serving or a closed fist typically people will have maybe one closed fist at each meal yeah try getting three which covers at least half your plate. And that's just challenging. People, A, don't like vegetables usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't know how to prepare them in a way that they will like them. And then getting that much variety, I, one of the common complaints I get is, well, it goes bad so quickly. So in those situations, you need to figure out what works for you. Yep. Sometimes steamed veggies work, frozen veggies work, getting in a smoothie. Um, that's what I do. I get, I make this huge veggie smoothie in the beginning of the morning and that knocks out like at least four servings. Yeah. And then all you have to do is cover lunch and dinner and you're good. Yeah. But that's still like the ultimate goal. Sometimes I only get five. Sometimes I'll get four. Sometimes I get zero, but it's what you do in general over time. Yeah. Because life constraints are very challenging, right? Yeah. I think everybody has these goals around work and career and family and life is complicated and uh, it's we're so interconnected, but we're so busy. Yet we have so much freedom. Um, I think it's almost about coming up with these creative solutions to basic things like, yeah, sleep better. But people are like, huh? How do you sleep better? And you know, you just have to be creative. And now we have all these things like we under you know we understand better things like blue blocking apps on our phones and our smart tablets. Um, you know, things that help us go to sleep. Um, so it's, it's a lot of coming up with those creative solutions. But what's interesting with what you do is that it's a lot of like, you know, you have such the, you have such a research background, you have so much depth and knowledge, but when it comes up to the surface and you're telling this to people, I, your recommendations are like, you know, go for a walk outside or get right. sunlight. So yeah, it's how like- do you wrestle with that? It's challenging. Um, sometimes I, I'm always like throwing it out there like, well, if you want to know more, I'll send you some research articles. <laughs> I literally say that in most of my emails. 
Um, nobody really asks, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, ri- and it's, it's coming back to that minimalism and simplicity in life. And I, when I was living in a teepee in New York, it was just the simple things, eating right, going to bed when you're like, when the sun goes down mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I guess wrestling that with clients is, it just depends on if somebody's interested in that. So I have yeah. to find other outlets for get, getting that research out, talking mm-hmm. to you or other friends about, mainly Blake, about talk, yeah. talking to him about what I find is cool and um, maybe finding friends that actually understand what I'm talking about so I'm not just like... Yeah, uh, but otherwise it's like is it, it's a bit of a challenge to express like your depth of knowledge to people when you're telling them what seems to be the most simplistic of things, but you really understand the deep scientific backing between everything that you're recommending to people. Yeah, I mean, and if I don't, I'll go look it up, but yeah, I, I do understand a lot of the biochemistry and physiology behind what I'm recommending, mm-hmm. and I have reasons for most of the things that I pretty much everything I suggest. If I'm going to suggest it, I wouldn't suggest it for without a reason or some kind of research supporting it. Because uh, I find that pretty important. Um, I don't like to suggest things that I haven't read literature backing it up. And it's nice, at least, if they ask me why I'm doing something. Well, this is why. And I can show them yeah. where, where it's been helpful before. And, but no one really asked me that. So... <laughs> <laughs> I usually, I, I have, I don't know, it, yeah, that's been a challenge, so it's just something that I'm going to have to find a different outlet to, to give that science aspect, mm-hmm. but it's better than what I used to do in being in the research lab, and I worked with cancer cells all day, and that was, like, super science and I didn't get that human interaction, so... Yeah. It's a fine balance. Yeah. Where do you stand on some of these more polarizing topics? Like, people like to... If something becomes a hot topic or if something becomes um, a thing that everyone's talking about, people immediately want to take a stance for or they want to jump on the bandwagon or they want to, like, deny the importance of that bandwagon. Um, Things like, you know, the gluten thing, the dairy thing, a lot of things around paleo, grains... Um, is it as black and white as people want to make it out to be, or is there... No. It's, that's like just our tribal tendencies. Yeah. Uh, and if you follow any really smart people, um, in nutrition, they'll tell you the exact same thing. You know, it's not black and white. Everybody's individual. Like, like you just said, or what, like we just talked about, each of, we have our own bacteria, and one third of that is... One third of our bacteria is unique to other people or similar to other people, but two thirds is all unique to us. It's like our own fingerprint. Mm. So we have those, our, our bacteria, we have our own genes, we have our own way that we live our life. So how could one thing work for every single person? It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, so you need to figure out what works for you. What does dairy upset your stomach how do you feel when you're eating dairy do you if you try eliminating it and use your body as an experiment does your skin clear up how do you feel um how does how do your poops look Mm -hmm. so using yourself as an experiment and adjusting as you go is one of the best ways to figure out what's right for you yeah and um so you would say all the people that are anti-grant, like paleo people in particular, they have this, uh, for the most part, I think a pretty good outline of diet, you know, it gets people to eat, um, foods that are closer to their original source, um, healthier food options, generally more towards the organic route, some more sustainable approaches to getting our food more veggies, more fruits, but then they get really staunch and really hardcore about, or at least um, very unwavering when it comes to things like no grains, um, dairy, it's all bad, um, legumes, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, their reasoning behind most of those uh, is not really uh, supported by the research. There is, uh, first off, legumes have been shown to be great fiber for your bacteria, mm-hmm. um, but their argument is lectins. And there are different ways to prepare beans so that it has a lower lectin content. But when you cook them, they also lower the lectins. And regardless, I think that those carbohydrates are are important sources of carbs. Mm -hmm. I think that if you, that's, I, I, I find no, I think everybody can agree that everything should be closer to the earth, less processed, um, eating, eating, um, things from the earth not from a box and there are but when it comes down to should you eat dairy and legumes and grains it really comes down to the individual Mm -hmm. and how what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve and how they feel i personally eat a a diet closer to a paleo but but i guess if paleo is no grains and no beans um then I would not qualify for that. So you're out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Can't be on our team anymore. No. I, I, I eat grains all the time. I just don't eat, um, I don't eat processed grains, I guess. Yes. I try to eat just brown rice or legumes from the bulk section. I'm also trying to be more zero waste or trying to go down that path. Yeah. Um, try not to fit into the tribal zone of that, but yeah. Just trying to reduce my plastics, so buying in bulk and yeah. yeah, the tribe of no tribe. The tribe of no tribe. <laughs> Do you want to be in the tribe of no tribe with me? Yes, no but then else. we're in a tribe. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, so hard. Um, yeah, and I think that's a good way to do is just like for people to just be questioning and not jump on things and. I don't know, get over the idea that everyone else needs to support what you're doing. I think the self-experimentation is so key and so important. It's your journey, your boat, your ship, and uh, you can go wherever you want with it. So, like, why follow all the places that other people are going? Um, Yeah, it's a little bit harder to navigate on your own, and it might be a little scarier because you don't know what you're doing. But, like, then, you know, get some competence. Mm -hmm. Get good at this stuff. Learn. Right. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing. There's just so much information out on the internet right now that's so confusing for somebody who just, like, my dad goes and Googles, I don't know, he sends me articles all the time that's like, carbs are are terrible for you, you're going to die. And there's such, like, a thing against carbs right now and sugar. And mm-hmm. the point is, if you're in a calorie surplus, you're going to gain weight. And you can do that with carbs. You can do that with fat. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that with sugar, right. which is also a carb. But... You just have to be cognizant of of what you're putting in your body. Yeah. Um, it's not carbs aren't the devil. It's no. how you're. They they are easier to consume. They're found in lots of sodas, so mm-hmm. your liquid calories. But it, it's not the carb in itself, which is so easy to villainize. Yeah. Uh, totally. Well, I think people are always looking for uh, an enemy or a villain. Or some, something that they can point to as being the wrong thing so that they can know and stand in a place where they know what the right thing is. But I think it's just a little more nuanced mm-hmm. generally with anything, right? Yeah. We always want to assume that this is bad and this is good, so I'm going to be over here on the good side of things. Uh, and that makes people feel good, but it's kind of harder to stand in that uncertainty of like, I don't really know, and acknowledge that. Most people don't like to acknowledge that they don't know that much stuff. Uh, which is something you kind of have to do with nutrition. But it's cool. I mean, the things that we get to do and you get to do this much more on a regular basis is, you know, help people and hold their hand as they're in that unknown, as Mm -hmm. they're like hanging out in the darkness trying to find the light and figure out what's going on. Yeah, and I was telling a group the other day that nutrition's not just... I thought it was, when I first got into nutrition that I was going to be this nutrition scientist, which I probably could be. Um, but it's more like half nutritionist, half therapist. Yeah, 100%. Well, you're, I mean, you're, you're a coach, though you're not like, I mean, you wouldn't explain yourself as a coach. Like, you're a guide mm-hmm. and a mentor to these people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be kind of a role model um, and a, a reference point. It's like, you know, I work as a strength and conditioning professional and I'm like if I see somebody who's not strong not fit moves horribly 
don't work with that person. I don't care. Like, if they've put in their time, and if they've got their chops, like, if there's somebody who is, like, um, you can take somebody who, like, is Christopher Summers, who's, like, former U.S. national gymnastics coach. I could probably beat that guy up now. But uh, he's been through it. You know, he gets a pass. Everybody else, it's, like, walk the walk. Um, especially if you're guiding people. If he hears people. this, he's going to... He's going to find me. <laughs> to find me, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, you think so? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. I think he's like probably 60 right now. He probably could just kick my ass, but... That's not the guy that just died, right? No, that was Charles Poliquin, okay. which is an interesting one as well because he's uh, somebody who everyone looked to for nutrition advice. And mm-hmm. uh, he was one of those guys. He was super polarizing. He said um, things like, uh, earn your carbs if you aren't t- for guys if you're not 10% body fat no carbs which is a little extreme mm-hmm. uh, it works you know and that's the thing it's like he said that because it worked when he had athletes he said that to them and then they got below a certain body fat percentage but the nuance of it is understanding what we understand which is like that's not because they weren't eating carbohydrates it's because they were removing an entire subsection of foods right. from their diet so they got into this crazy caloric deficit and then they so they went to using up their body st- their body fat stores, um, and they lost weight, and they went they're down in their body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so. then he died of a heart attack, which I guess could be because of could steroids. be a lot of things. I will, my, yeah, it could be steroids. He was a little too jacked for sixty three or sixty something man. Um, I'm curious too. Like I think a lot about stress a lot lately. And I think that's really damaging to people. I think it has a lot to do with uh, complications of the heart. And um, not that I know. I'm kind of just uh, speculating a lot. But just what I've seen and people I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of professionals who are kind of really honing in on stress. And uh, Charles Poliquin seemed like he was kind of an asshole. Uh, as much as I, I love, I love Charles Poliquin. I think he's the shit. Like I was really kind of blown away when he uh, when he passed away just recently because he's someone that I always went to as an amazing resource as far as strength training is concerned. Like he's a master, you know, like truly a master of strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sad, but at the same time, it's like. I think he's an asshole. I'm sure he's not fun to be around, and I'm sure there's maybe some stress that is associated with it. The whole thing was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, and stress alone can um, disrupt those tight junctions in your gut, so Mm -hmm. kind of increase the intestinal permeability or leaky gut, which can lead to an immune response, which can lead to inflammation, et cetera. Yeah. So when people talk about the gut and a healthy gut, is that like just intestinal tract? Is that uh, your stomach as well? So your gut goes from your mouth all the way to your anus, and all that needs to be healthy. Everything. Yeah, I mean, if you can't process food from your mouth and get it down in your esophagus and into your stomach, some people don't have the correct um, gallbladder function to process fats, Mm -hmm. Um, and then it needs to go to your small intestine than large intestine and if you have too much bacteria in there where you're not supposed to or if you have any kind of blockage that would be a big problem or ulcers from taking too many insects all, all that needs to be like sound um and the best way to are like I said pay attention to your symptoms and Pay attention to your poops. Yeah. So uh, look at your poops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so when it's being said that you got to have a healthy gut, it's like really you got to have a healthy digestional tract. Yeah. The whole thing. Exactly. Everything's included in that. Pretty much. That's. I mean, that's what I include when I say that. Yeah. Because um, if anything that's going on awry in any of that, then you're not going to be able to digest the nutrients that you're putting in it. You could be eating healthy as hell and you wouldn't be absorbing the nutrients that you're actually getting. Mm. So if you have diarrhea all day, you're not going to be getting any nutrients in your body. Yeah. Um, another big thing that people are really keen to talk about these days is inflammation, like anti-inflammation diets. Uh, Tom Brady's diet. Have you heard of this? No. What is it? TB12. Oh the gosh, tell me what. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady has a diet it's called the TB12, and it's like his amazing diet. And I think there's whole like TB12 thing, and there's like TB12 coaches. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, it's a big thing. Actually, I heard about it a long time ago, but um, I mean, it, it's been picked up in a lot of different circles. My half sister is. Um, she's doing the TB12. She's doing the TB12. Yeah, they're really into it because she has rheumatoid arthritis and she's very oh, young. Wow. So she's like, um, she's in part of this online group that their whole thing is anti-inflammation diets. So they jump on this stuff. Um, I think it's another thing where it's a kind of canned response to a very complicated question where it's like, you know, remove inflammation to your diet. So like, okay, here's all the foods that you can eat and you can't eat, but it's not individualized on, uh, any level. So I don't think, except for Tom Brady. uh, Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He probably has like someone giving him individual help. Yeah. And then he's just, uh, publishing it for people. Do you know what the basis of that is? I can look it up. Um, it's interesting. I think it's like nightshades are part of it. What do you think about nightshades? I think nightshades can activate some people and and others it, others not. Some people with autoimmune issues can feel really triggered by by um, nightshades, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's one of those things. I think the elimination diet is gold standard to see what's right and what's not. Because we don't have enough information about our bodies right now to just point and say, this is good for you and this is bad for you. Um, It's just not that simple. And mainly because everybody is so, so different. Um, Yeah, and and one thing I stuck in my mind is about what you were saying about the baker's touch is that we have literally pounds of bacteria on our skin. Gross. (laughs) But we have more bacterial cells in our body than human cells. So that alone is, is, is pretty amazing. And, and more than three, three million genes from just our gut and bacteria. It's, it's this whole world and we're not, we're using, um, all this, what's that stuff that you squirt on your hands that... Hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, body wash, and we're just getting rid of all our friendly bugs. Yeah. Yeah, playing dirt, right? Yeah, playing dirt. Uh, what's up with that? Why is playing in dirt healthy for you? Well, there have been studies showing that people who grew up on farms or worked in organic gardens have more diverse guts. Um, like kids, they have better immune systems. Playing in dirt, you're getting exposed to tons of organic material that that has tons of bacteria in it, and you're strengthening your immune system by exposing yourself to it. It there's something called the hygiene hypothesis, which do you know about that? The what is it? The hygiene hypothesis. No. It's basically a hypothesis that said um, autoimmune disorders may have been. Con- contributed to by this because as a society we have used so much antibacterial soap antibacterial wipes um, tried to sanitize everything that our immune system wasn't getting exposed to everything we were being so hygienic and then I'm butchering this hypothesis but in itself we hurt ourselves and and eventually our weakened our immune system. We killed all the good bugs. Well, we're just not exposing ourselves to bugs or pathogens outside, and we're not, in turn, creating antibodies against those. Mm, I see. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, like, I'm a pretty dirty dude. Uh, just play... I mean, I play around outside a lot. Um, I... I'm exposed to a lot of things throughout my day. I'm on my bike. I'm in the environment. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't, like, obsessively wash my hands. I mean, I do when it's appropriate. But uh, (laughs) I'm not. I don't use hand sanitizers or antibacterial anything. Um, And for the most part, I don't get sick. Um, You know, last week I I came down with something. Um, But before that, I don't think I've been put down by anything in the last... I don't know, a few years, and that's, I, I attribute a lot of it to just this different lifestyle. One of it, one, one piece of that, just being outdoors, you know, a lot more exposure to sunlight is a huge thing, mm-hmm. really boosts our immune system, but also just like a lot of exposure to, to dirt and dirtiness and uh, having a very strong immune system. So my half-sister that I mentioned before, who has rheumatoid arthritis and was diagnosed with it, I think before she was 30, um, and has had a lot of, a lot of health issues, um, 
one thing that's really notable about her is that when she was being brought up, um, you know, the half-sisters thing is because my father was married before he uh, met my mother or before he started dating my mother and he had a child. Um, he had a daughter who is my half-sister. And um, whenever she was sick or ill as a child, her mother would immediately take her to the doctor and get a prescription for antibiotics. So she spent a lot of her childhood on antibiotics and now uh, it seems to be manifesting herself with a lot of disorders, autoimmune disorders, and she's just had a really rough go of it um, as far as her health is concerned because of that. And uh, it's kind of sad because I think that's, you know, she wasn't in charge of those decisions at the time. Her mother was trying to help her sick daughter but just didn't know better enough. Mm-hmm. And you know, really gave her a harder life because of it. Has she found any relief with that diet that you were talking about? I think so. I haven't checked in with her in a while. Um, she kind of has, all, she's had a bunch of different struggles. Like, you know, rheumatoid arthritis thing is, is really, really crazy. I'm trying to remember the exact number, but I think she's had like, it was either 17 or 18 surgeries. Wow on her joints or it was like 30 it was one of those two numbers but an extreme amount of surgeries on her various joints because of you know the body attacking itself at her joint level and um yeah yeah in those cases i would say you know eliminating the things that may trigger the immune system gluten dairy those those are the kinds of situations i'm like all right go strict paleo and see see what we can do yeah um and that's the thing is like with her is she's trying these elimination diets and I think it's good because now she's just focused on diet itself yeah. and that's probably she's going to see some really good effects but before that like you know my family I'm I'm a I'm the black sheep just in the fact that I'm really into nutrition and health and like my habits are far different than the rest of the people in my family and I know that they weren't eating well it's a lot of processed foods um, and that was definitely contributing so I mean I think that um I won't totally knock the TB12. I just think it's just another thing where you got to be careful of anything that's a um, blanket prescription for everybody. Yeah. Um, it's just probably not the best route. And it's kind of attributed to laziness because you don't want to do the real work of just figuring out what it is that the individual has to do. Or finding some kind of professional that can help you, like, tease out what's right for you and what's not. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing, too. It's like, that's what we do. It's like... When people have an issue with uh, strength and conditioning and they're trying to figure out how to build the habits around it, how to do things correctly, how to maximize their their effort um, that they're making towards changing their lives for the better, it's like, see a professional who knows exactly how to do that. That's what you do with your people, mm-hmm. is you guide them and you hold their hands and you're like, you have multiple options in front of you. There's many routes. Um, but I've been down these ones before, or at least I have the map that I know where these ones go. I think you'd be better going down this route. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. And I, I try to say this in, in the best way, but saying like, look, I don't know your body yet. You don't know what is going on with your body. We're experimenting together. I'm here to help you through that. Yeah. Because I know how to do it better than you do. Well, I do think that everybody knows their body the best and they know how intuitively somewhere down subconsciously they know what's right for them. But yeah, yeah, exactly what you said about the past. Like I know I've been down this path and I can help you with it and we can try it. And if it doesn't work, let's hop off and go on a different path. Mm -hmm. Here's a question going back to some of those anti-inflammation diets, which is like, what is inflammation? So inflammation is your body's immune response to any kind of hurt, damage, pathogen, toxin, um, when you get a cut or any kind of abrasion on your arm, it swells, it gets red, immune cells immediately go to it, and it starts to, clotting factors get to it, it, trying to heal, and that's acute inflammation, that's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, So not all inflammation is bad. Inflammation can be good. The inflammation after... A, you work out. That's a stress response. You're going to have some natural inflammation. You don't want to quash that right then and there with some, um, I don't know, in, uh, a leave because that inflammation is what's helping your muscles break down and, and build back up. Now, the inflammation that everyone's referring to is anti-inflammatory diets or 
um, is chronic inflammation. Having this low-level inflammation throughout your body has shown been shown to lead to chronic diseases like cardiovascular disease or athler, athler I can never say, atherosclerosis, yeah. which is um, <coughs> a process of clotting, clotting of your arteries um, that's triggered by inflammation. And, I mean, inflammation from obesity, inflammation in your brain, neuroinflammation, leading to uh, psychiatric issues. That kind of low-level chronic inflammation is your immune system sending out inflammatory markers um, to fight, fight, fight off things that you're dealing with. So, um, a leaky gut having particles get through your gut lining and trigger the immune response over and over and over. Um, having these inflammatory molecules circle up to your brain. That is the chronic inflammation that it eventually is damaging. Mm-hmm. And I do think most diseases at, at the base um, is chronic inflammation. It's, it's, its main cause is chronic inflammation. Mm. Um, but it sounds like inflammation, the way that people are conceptualizing, might be off. Where it's not necessarily, it's not like a thing. It's not like I have some mold in my body called inflammation. It's a process or it's a response. Um, so it sounds like I I think maybe people are conceptualizing it the wrong way. Maybe I've been conceptualizing it the wrong way. Where you think about it as a thing that's happening, like inflammations in my body, whereas like inflammation is kind of happening in response to something else that's going awry, like leaky gut. Like there's a problem, the inflammation response is good, but there's something that happened wrong in the first place that's causing that response. Right, a trigger, right. Some some toxin and and maybe some genetic susceptibility around that. Maybe you don't have, you have a mutation that doesn't allow you to um, process fats the right way and you start building up plaque in your arteries a little bit mm-hmm. more easily than other people. But... If you don't have the immune system or that that teacher keeping everybody in check, then eventually the immune system is is going to be overactive and create yeah an alarm system yeah. going off throughout your body constantly right and if your alarm system is constantly constantly going off, it's really annoying. Your ears are gonna hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I do think the immune system is one of the most important things that we have, and um, it call uh, all goes back to keeping things simple and starting with what what you have in front of you: your sleep, your food, etc. Yeah. Um, um, well, that's really good. I think that's good because it just I think it helps remind people that it's not necessarily anti-inflammation because inflammation can be a positive thing. I I kind of have a controversial stance when it comes to injuries, like if people hurt themselves. For instance, if they roll their ankle or sprain their ankle, the common protocol has always been rice, rest, ice, uh, compression, elevation, but like immediately. So people um, roll their ankle, they sprain their ankle, and then people are like, get ice on it immediately. Um, But lately I've been kind of turned on to this idea that that's not really good because what you're doing is you're just hampering the, the natural response of the body to go to that area and send these immune cells to go and help like clear out damaged material, bring in new nutrients to help that area um, recover, repair, rebuild. And by just using ice immediately, um, it's, you know, you're constricting blood flow, you're constricting that process. And so I now have a controversial stance, which is like, if I, you know, sprain and uh, a wrist or a sprain my knee if I have some type of uh, injury like I probably am not going to use ice right away and most other professionals in my position wouldn't do that um, I believe that they're using ice as a pain mitigator mm-hmm. not to actually help the healing process but I think it just goes back to people villainizing um, infl- inflammation it's like that's the natural process. It's not. It's not necessarily that you're having a uh, that you're on an anti-inflammation diet, but maybe you're on an anti-leaky gut diet. Yeah, yeah. And when you're icing, you're causing vasoconstriction. You're not getting blood flow to the area. Um, but you're exactly right. It's producing. It's it's stopping those um, pain molecules, leukotrienes, and um, prostaglandins from 
from triggering the same pain response. It, it numbs it all. Um, I actually studied that a long time ago, and I can't remember which side I eventually came to. But I'm, I'm with you, and I'm, I still I need to research that more because I do think that ice can help with the swelling so that you don't get too maybe too swollen, um, but I, I need to research it more. So it's, I think I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Um, well, so that's where you and I differ is that like, I'm like, that makes sense. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't know. Um, maybe I need to back off a little more, but this has been super good. It's been really enlightening. Um, I always kind of finish the same way. I, I ask people that are on my podcast cause generally they're leading other people. They're giving advice to people. They're coaching other people. Um, so I ask them to give a little bit of advice to the audience. Um, if there is two or three actionable things that people could start doing tomorrow, to change their lives for the better, to improve their mood, to improve their health, get a little more fit, be a little more happy, uh, what would you suggest people to do? I would say choose something that you that's active but really fun to you so mm-hmm. that you stick with it. Um, moving your body is just as important as almost as important or equally important as eating really nutritious food and um, that that'll make it a long-term habit for you mm-hmm. and and it also improves mood it improves your immune system it has tons of biological effects that are that are positive and then I guess the second thing is um eat healthy food with people you love that whole and do it mindfully I know that's a lot but you know being present with your food and actually just saying um it's not like saying grace because there's a lot of loaded stuff to that but just when your meal's in front of you just before digging right in just looking at the color and being really appreciative of where you are who you're with what the food looks like in front of you and saying you know like maybe in your head thank you like for this because not everyone gets to eat and that makes you appreciate the meal that much more and and not just like scarf it down and then like or like mindlessly watch tv and eat food yeah i love that that's great and it's a helpful reminder too as we approach thanksgiving Thanksgiving. yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's a good thing to remember uh so where can people reach out to you where can they find you where is all your stuff how do people connect you can email me. Uh, I'm sure you'll have show notes. Uh, no show notes. No show notes. Okay. Show notes are a little tedious. I used to have show notes, but then I decided that this is too much work. However, I will, uh, I will definitely have a post on my website where people can go, um, and uh, I'll have links to all your stuff. Cool. Yeah. So you can find me in my email, which Colin will post. And then what is it though? Morgan dot Molidor M O L I D O R at Gmail. Cool. And I also have a website, Simple Human Being, which is a play on words, Simple Human Being. Mm-hmm. Back to that simpleness dot com. And I don't really use Instagram a lot, but if I do, I am at Simple Human Being. Great. B E A N. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, Morgan. Thanks for having me. This is super fun. I'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Many thanks goes out to Morgan for sitting down with us and sharing some of her information, some of her knowledge, some of her background. I thought it was really helpful. I learned a lot and I hope you guys did as well. I thought the way that she made it easy to conceptualize some of these more intricate and often talked about areas of health and nutrition was really beneficial and I hope you guys got a lot of value out of that. Um, be sure to check out all of her stuff. Go to simplehumanbeing.com. You can check out more. I'll have some links uh, in a blog post on my own website at grasshopperstrength.com. So you should be able to find it there. Um, I want to send a big thank you to everybody that listened and 
partakes in these episodes. You might not be directly involved in the communication, but you certainly are a part of the community and these conversations are here for you. So I thank you for spending time and listening to them. I really appreciate when you guys pass them around, when we get feedback that you guys are enjoying the show. All of that is greatly appreciated. Um, If you want to learn more about me, my own practice, my own coaching business, and what I do working with people, then go to my website, grasshopperstrength.com. I would love it if you guys subscribe to my email list where I kind of send out my weekly waxing on training and strength and health and nutrition. Uh, It's usually pretty fun. It's pretty light and uh, tries to make you think a little bit deeper about what you're doing with your own health and wellness practice. This week, we're going to take a nice long break. It's Thanksgiving, and we have the holiday coming up. I hope you guys all enjoy some time with family and friends. I hope you guys de-stress, hang out, and get to take a little bit of a break from work. So enjoy that. Uh, But otherwise, we're good to go, folks. That's all it is for today. Thank you again for checking us out and taking a listen. Until next time, enjoy the holiday. Try to slow down. Try to enjoy your food. Enjoy the people around you and make the most of what you have. We will see you next time. Have a good one. Peace.